and welcome back to another episode of Leverage and Beverage, a show about business and the liquids that we drink, um, where we hear stories and talk about strategy in the process of building, uh, growing, and actualizing an idea, all while sipping on some of our favorite beverages. Again, the goal of this podcast is to create leverage and learn about how to get from where we are to where we want to go, whether that's in business or other ventures that provide value in our lives. I'm your host, Greg Sobosinski, and today we have a very special guest, uh, someone I've known for a bit. We met at the gym um, a couple of years ago, and uh, it's all kind of downhill from there. But uh, today we have uh, um, Aaron Diamond from uh, Trainwreck Distillery. Aaron, how you doing? Good, good. Thank you for having me on today, Greg. So, uh, distilling man, uh, let's. <laughs> I really want to dive into that. I think there's a lot, a lot to unpack there, especially in uh, today's age with um, the growth of craft drinks, both in you know beer, alcohol, all across the board. Um, but let's uh, let's start at the beginning. Where how did you even start to get into into this thing? So uh, it all started out. Uh, we, um, me and uh, my grandfather, we started out making wine and beer together, and that um, was just a hobby of ours. And then um, he passed away. And then after he passed away, my grandmother gave me all of his old wine wine and beer making equipment. So after I got all that, I just started. Uh, playing around with making wine and beer and it, it just tasted horrible it just tasted, <laughs> just tasted like straight vinegar so uh so after that i had all had i would do five gallon batches and it just uh i just had so much of it and i was just researching on what i sh- what i should do with all these five gallon batches and i uh ended up <laughs> buying a little still off ebay and I uh, started playing around with that, distilling, distilling at my house. And then one thing led to another. I uh, just, it, uh, we, it all, um, it, we, we just, uh, just started just making whiskeys and uh, out of all of our beer and wine. So uh, it was, it, it, it was, it was pretty cool. And it tasted a lot better than the beer and wine that I was making. So <laughs> let's, let's dive into that for a bit, because I think a lot of people will get lost in what you just said there, as far as you made beer and wine, and then you turned it in to your liquor. So I think, I think there's a huge misconception, at least from what I've seen, everyone thinks that everything is so different in some of the alcohol worlds, but maybe talk to how a lot of this stuff comes from like the, the, the same, the same roots. Yeah. So it all starts out everything, everything all starts out, uh, as a liquid and, uh, we use, uh, sugars and we add the sugars and we ferment after we, and then we ferment the sugars to make an alcohol. So, and anytime that's the first step of making, uh, any kind of whiskey or vodka or gin, we start out making a beer, or even if we were making a brandy, we'd start out making a wine and, um, and we just ferment the sugars and we make around uh, anywhere from a five to 10% uh, wine or beer. And then we ended up, we end up distilling it um, opposed to a winery or brewery. We're not, we're not really too worried about uh, any kind of natural bacteria that, that could get into the wash because when we distill it at all, uh, when we distill it, we boil everything out and it's uh, super clean. So um and then some of them bacteria also in the distilling world, um, they could make make the taste change or hmm. have a better effect to the whiskey or spirit that you end up making. So, gotcha, gotcha. And you mentioned okay, you have all these these five gallon batches kind of just yeah. sitting around. And then so, what was the initial thought? Was like, hey, 
I just have so much of this. I, I can't possibly consume this. I'm sure you went the route of, you know, Hey, friends come over, help me with this. But then you're like, man, this is still too much. And then what was business like the, the next natural route from there? So it, it just, it was hard because I just had all these batches and then me and my friends, we would just sit around. We would all try all the, all, all, it was basically moonshine. And we would, would, would they be uh, honest with you about, Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it wasn't, it wasn't nothing special. I mean, it was, it was all right. It was a lot better than my beer and wine. I mean, the beer and wine I made was absolutely horrible. I actually had a batch explode in my closet one, Whoa, nice. one day and it was just horrible, but the, the alcohol that I was making was a lot better than the wine, wine and beer that I was making. So, uh, so then after that, I, I just enjoyed making a lot of uh, alcohol better than making beer and wine. So I ended up uh, researching it more. And at the time, there was no craft distilleries in New Jersey. And if I'm not mistaken, I believe you guys are the, the first craft distillery in Burlington County. Yeah, in Burlington correct? County. And then I there there was two that that were open. when I first started. There was two that was the one was located in Camden, which is closed now. And then the other one was in North Jersey and they're still open to this mm. day. And, uh, but it was a super small and, and I just, I just wanted to do something different. I didn't want to be like everybody else and start a winery winery or brewery. I just wanted to see if we could try something different. What is the the total number of, um, I guess, distilleries per, per, per state, I guess, in the country on average. Mm. And then how, how can you, compare the growth of the distilling industry to that of say beer or wine. So the distilling industry is definitely getting, it's definitely exploding. It's not, I mean, not as much as the breweries. Not literally. Uh, no, name, no, 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 no <laughs> not at all. Um, but, uh, but the, the breweries, I think in Jersey, we have over a hundred, hundred breweries now. And mm. I think in Jersey with distilleries, I think we have, uh, I don't know, maybe, 30 40 wow, distilleries. wow that's a lot more than i thought uh, yeah no there, there's a lot more in uh, northern jersey um but there's there's ton of there's tons popping up it's just it's just harder to get a distillery license opposed to a brewery license or a winery license it's just a lot more paperwork and not even just the paperwork it's the uh the cost of the, the equipment and uh just just learning about how to make good spirits is just difficult there's not there's not many people that uh that can, that, that know how to make good spirits. And it's hard to, I mean, you can't go to college and get a degree in distilling. I mean, now, I mean, now there's certain, there's a couple of schools that, that offer it, but at the time when I was starting, it's just, it, you, you couldn't, you couldn't do it. So, um, but, uh, so I actually learned how to distill. I, I studied all around the world. I've been to, uh, Europe, London, England, Scotland, Louisville, Kentucky, Portland, Oregon, Texas, California. Wow. Um, I've been all over the world learning how to, uh, make different spirits. I, I traveled to t tons of distilleries and, and brew, even breweries and wineries. Cause it's, it's kind of this same concept. So I just, uh, tried that all out and then just learned a ton. But like I was saying that you, you, I, I wanted to go to college to learn how to distill, but at the time you couldn't. So I just found distilleries all around and, and I found classes. I took, I took a ton of courses in Europe learn how to make different gins and whiskeys and all kinds of stuff. So, um, it, and on the way, it was just a lot of fun. I, mean, <laughs> I bet. I mean, I mean, the, the one time I was in, uh, I was in a course in London and I remember we were learning about making gins and they lined up 
20 different gins and it's 9 30 in the morning and, <laughs> and they line up they line up 20 different gins and they ask you all right we're going to start tasting these gins and i'm like man 9 30 in the morning i just brushed my teeth out <laughs> it's gonna be tough but it's it's i don't know it's i've i've always loved the cook and everything so mm. um distilling I, I i feel like it's it's just i tell people it's just like cooking i mean when I'm, when I'm distilling, I use all my, my, use all my senses. I mean, touch, feel, taste, everything. I use it all. And it's just, I just enjoy it a lot. So it's, so in, in your travels, kind of going different places, learn how to, um, distill different types of alcohols. What was, if, if you can pinpoint, and, and it's, I'm going to have a caged answer for this because for me with beer, it's, it's an interesting thing. Cause you might say we're the best beers in the world. I have a couple of sections, but at the end yeah. of the day, a lot of different places make a lot of different things that are all good. Yeah. But if you have to pin it down, what would you say is your favorite oh. as far as some of the um, alcohols that you've had in, in, in some of your travels? Uh, it, it honestly depends. I mean, some I've, I've been through a bunch of small little distilleries and they had some awesome spirits. And I've also been to some really well-known big in, in Kentucky and Louisville where, the, I mean, they say where bourbon comes from. Um, I've, I've just had so many just unbelievable bourbons and whiskeys. I've, and, uh, I'm trying to think that that's a good question. I never really thought, oh man, it's hard. It's hard to pin down because yeah. again, the way I think about it, because being involved with, with brewing and beer and stuff, mm-hmm. whenever you, you travel somewhere where you, you want to try everything, you know, oh, you, yeah. want, you want to see what do they have oh, here. Yeah. And the thing is too, like, it's not always like, oh, the biggest ones are always the best. Sometimes these like small places, like you mentioned, oh, yeah. have like really killer stuff. Like oh, it's yeah. like, like I've been to some breweries out in like Western Pennsylvania and stuff. Mm-hmm. And some of their stuff is like, it should, they should be bigger oh, based yeah. on how good their stuff is. Yeah. But I guess for me, part of the allure of bouncing around is the idea that, okay, maybe I'll stumble upon one of these mm-hmm. diamonds in the rough. That's just mm-hmm. this unbelievable spirit or beer yeah. that's like, but that constantly pushing that and, and just yeah. traveling to try to find those yeah. really, really good ones. It's an ask and asking the distiller or the brewer, what'd you do here? Like, how'd yeah. you get this? How'd you do this? And it's, and it's funny you say that because I mean, I, I, now I guess we're, I would consider us a, not, not a big distillery. We're, we're pretty small. I mean, our new location is pretty massive, but uh, our, our location that we're currently in is uh, really small. And we had uh, people that, that came in and they, they live in, texas and nevada and all over uh, all on the midwest and they've been asking for our stuff and they really like our stuff and and it's funny you see you get, you get these emails and you're like whoa like how did how did train wreck get all the way out here hmm. but uh it's pretty crazy so it's a uh, uh, distribution has been going um, pretty well for us and we're starting to venture out of new jersey right now so cool what would you say so it seems like within distilling at least from what you're telling me there is a lot of barriers to entry both as far as getting started with all the paperwork involved with some of the local municipalities as far as equipment and costs involved in starting up so i guess this is uh, a disadvantage in like it's hard at first but then it's also good because it kind of protects you once you're in the industry it kind of helps you close off to potential new entrants who might want to might throw their hands up and say this is too hard to get into i'm not going to bother yeah so we've been helping out a lot of people so when we first started uh trying to get all the license and approvals i mean everybody in the industry almost everybody in the industry is pretty open and they'll tell you hey you need to do this you need to do that but there's still some people that are super secretive about everything but 
I've had, I have, I've had so much help from so many people. And if anybody ever came to me and asked me for help, I would definitely help them out. And I'm currently working on a new project with another distillery that I don't really want to disclose right now. Sure. But, uh, but we're, I'm starting a new brand in at another place and it's, it's just been nonstop and, uh, it's been going pretty good and we almost have the new, uh, location up and running. So sweet. Yeah. It's, uh, but I, they just came to me and they asked me for some help and it's just, I've been just helping them out. And have you found, I found in the brewing industry that there tends to be a lot of, a lot of camaraderie. Granted, you have your, your bad apples here and there people oh, yeah. who are kind of closed off, but like for the most part, I mean, I think you would agree that it's very, it's very open. It's yeah. very cordial, very communal. Yeah, no, it definitely is. I mean, everybody, I mean, even, even if I have problems, I could, I could call one of, one of my neighbor and distilleries and I've, I've made so many friends in this industry and everything. And it's just, it's just nice. If I, if I have a question, I could just call, call someone up and be like, Hey man, what do you think about this? Or what do you think about that? And they'll, they'll everybody. And, and even if they called me up, I'd help them out any way they, any, any way I could. Mm. So, um, but I mean, I mean, I tell people all the time too, it's anybody, anybody can make alcohol, but it just depends on your taste and how good you can make it. So, mm. so let's dive into that a little bit. Cause there, there is some, um, I guess, uh, subjectivity to this, but there are also some objectivity to it. Yeah. Like if you have some, like a, a bad, a bad, like a very bad spirit, it's like, okay. But at the same time, yeah. there's also some things I can see where some people just like this tastes a little more than others do. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So when you're making your stuff, how does that factor in? How does it factor in as far as do I, am I making what I think is generally a good whiskey or am yeah. I making it that fits my palate? How, how, yeah. how, what's your process? So, as far as that? so how we, how we figure out every, everything that we made, uh, it's, it's what we like to drink. So, hmm. uh, when we started this distillery, me and my father, we started it together. So, and he also traveled with me to some of these other distilleries and stuff. And what, what we made is just what we like to drink. So, I mean, I, I could just say like, uh, like, uh, like my gin that I make, uh, it's a citrus four gin. And I, and when I was studying, I had and when I wanted to open up a distillery, I had no intentions of making gin. And anytime I thought of gin, I just thought of Christmas trees. I'm like, Oh, I don't want to make gin. Right, it's disgusting. Right. And I had then this one day I was in this course and I had this awesome gin and I was like, wow, this doesn't even taste like gin. This tastes like a flavored vodka. Mm. And after that, I, uh, I ended up taking, trying to figure out a recipe that kind of tasted like that. Not the same thing. I mean, they didn't tell me the recipe. They, I mean, so I had to, um, make, make up a recipe with the flavor profile that I, that I liked and all the flavors that I enjoyed and I ended up distilling this gin and it won tons of awards all around the world. And the, and is this the, uh, the rail cart? Yeah. The rail cart gin and the rail cart gin. And, uh, a few years back it won a uh, double gold in uh, and the San Francisco spirit competition. Nice. And, uh, it had, uh, that that's one of the very well-known spirit competitions. So we beat out a ton of big name brands out of that. So this year we're going to compete in, in it again and see, uh, see what we can place in it again. What's the, what's the name of it again? It's the, the San Francisco, it's either San Francisco or the, I think it's the sips sips competition. Okay. There's so many different competitions yeah, in the uh, industry. Um, but, uh, but we're, that was back 
few years ago, but now we have, we have whiskeys now and bourbons and everything. So we're going to compete them also to see how they do. So, so the name train wreck. Yeah. Um, I, you kind of tease it out in a lot of your, you know, your, your names, you got mm-hmm. your rail cart gin. Mm-hmm. Um, you got your, what else you have your, uh, we have rail cart gin, super chief bourbon, crazy train vodka, blue comet, single malt. Then we have the train wreck rums. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I think that's it. Um, I, I like the congruency there, yeah. you know, the consistency yeah, across. So we, yeah. So we, I try to keep all the brands, all like train related, they all have like train stuff in it just to try to keep the brand like going. So we, uh, we first started out with the train wreck rum. That was the first thing. And, and, um, we didn't want to call like everything train wreck in case, <laughs> right. in case something happened or if we wanted to sell out to someone or like in the future, say if someone wanted to, buy us out or something we could we could easily sell them out uh sell one brand out and then we could also keep the brand our our brand so we don't have to sell the whole train wreck brand we could just sell say we could just sell the one we could sell a crazy train or we could just right. sell rail cart so that's why we did that we chose that way just for flexibility case, yeah down flexibility the road. or something that or yeah or if, say if one brand just didn't work good we could just cut it out but so how does that um, play into the landscape, the business landscape, specifically in the distilling industry? And I'm guessing, mm. guessing this can be applied across to other industries as well. Mm. But the importance of like the thought you just put in there as far as how you named certain things. So yeah. you, you almost knew like, okay, we want to have some flexibility going forward. We know there problems might come up or opportunities might come up where we might be able to sell this one brand off yeah. or, or something. So I guess what went into that? Cause I think a lot of people are, might be in, in the, in the same position where they're starting something and they're kind of come to a fork in the road. It's like, mm-hmm. we have to do one thing or another here. Yeah. Um, would you always lean to the side of flexibility or are there other times where it might be better to stay um, more rigid and you know what I mean? Yeah. So, so when we, when, when we started this, we've, we visited so many distillers and breweries and we saw, we, we, we can, we saw everybody's mistakes or, and, and not even mistakes and everything people done well. So we, we, we made up a business plan and we said, okay, this is what we're going to do. And, and I've, I've seen a lot of distilleries that start and they just do it for fun. And sometimes they don't end up, they don't, don't they, they, they can't keep, they, they can't, uh, they can't keep up with everybody else. And then you see other distilleries are just looking to spend so much money and try to make so much money at once. And they, then, but you have to, you have to kind of be in the middle. You can't like, like us, we like to make good products, but in, at the same time, we still, we, we still need to pay the bills. We still need to um, pay electric bill and pay all of our employees right. and everything. So um, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's hard to figure out like, okay, you need this, do that. But at the end of the day, we need to make money. So, yeah, but it takes a while. Like a lot of people think, okay, like you, you've started a distillery and they come into our tasting room and they see tons of people in the tasting room and they think, oh, wow, these looks people, easy. From the yeah, yeah. These people make a ton of money. And, and, we, and me and my dad, we always say everybody comes in, they, they see the sexy part of the business, but they right. don't see the blood and tears and all the insurance bills and everything. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's it's not like what it's not what, what a lot of people think, 
but I mean, average return is probably like five, six, seven years hmm. to, to get a return on even see money coming back in. Right. Um, so it's, uh, it, it's tough and it depends on your business model too. So we, we, um, we've just been growing and growing and growing and growing. So, um, our, our business model is different than a lot of other people's. Um, I mean, a lot of people, they just want to have like their little tasting room and sell the, sell to their town. And then that's it. Our business model is to have our tasting room and start growing and in distribution and just, just moving out of this state and start selling in a couple of our states. And it took us a while because we were in a, uh, 1300 square, um, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, around like a 1300 square foot building. And, um, and then we grew out of that instantly. And now we're moving into a, uh, about 20,000 square foot warehouse. And it's just been, it's been a lot and we're going to outgrow that probably pretty quick with all the barrels we're going to be distilling. So, so let's dive into that. Um, because, we want to talk about some hardships here. And you mentioned, yeah. you know, you have that X amount of time before you're going to make your money back. Yeah. And people always see the sexy side of the business. They don't mm-hmm. necessarily always see the stuff that goes on behind the curtain. Nah. So I, I know with your, your one bit, your one building um, and getting some approvals there, yeah. it's been a, it's been a process. Maybe speak to that and how, you know, some of this stuff is inevitable and you kind of have to just weather the storm in the meanwhile, but speak to that as far as what you're trying to do, as far as some of the expansion and some of the roadblocks you've hit. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's frustrating being in a small 1200 square foot building when you have all these ideas and all these products you want to make. Mm -hmm. And some, it just, it took, it took a long time to get, okay, we're going to go into this building. We're going to do this, this, that, then you get into the building and it's just like, okay, now you need to wait for these approvals and you wait for these approvals, you get the approvals and then you got to wait for more approvals. And after that, and it's just this one after another, after another, but we finally got all of our approvals and, and we got our, all of our equipment in there and our stills. And just this week we finished up our, we got our gas line approved and everything. So nice. we're getting ready to fire up our new still and our new still we could produce around uh, probably like anywhere from, five to seven barrels of whiskey a day. Wow. So 53 gallons of whiskey a day. So, so if you're ta- if you're talking from, from the mash and you get like the, the wort from there yes. and you from, so how much volume do you need to, in order to distill down to so, five to seven? Barrels? So, uh, so it's around, uh, five gallon, uh, 5,000 gallons of, of wash. Wow. We won't go through that a day. We'll probably hit it close depending on our, our day and how long we're, we're feeling like working. But uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's a pretty big step and we're going to be distilling for some other, uh, for some other brands also that, um, that we've been talking to. So it's, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting, but it's just, 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 it, it's hard. And, and now, now I'm seeing the grass is greener on the other side. Now it's, it's just, I could see the light coming over and it's just, I could finally like breathe now. Right. But, uh, but yeah, I'm definitely going to be growing out of this warehouse soon. And I'm, I'm, I'm just getting into this. It's, it's just, it, <laughs> it's just the barrel space. It's the the space with the barrels and everything. So realistically, I mean, that, that could be a, a simpler problem to fix yeah. than, than having to get a whole new approval for new still, right? Stor- yeah. Storage is different. Yeah. I'm guessing. Yeah, exactly. We're, we're going to get a, an we're going to need a new storage facility for, all of our barrels and we'll just make it at one location and it's just but it's just 
just part of just part of growing you just gotta deal with your growing pains and you just gotta just gotta deal with it and and hopefully it all works out so yeah man it's uh but, so what, what what do we have here? What, what did you what did you? Yeah, have? so today I brought our, our our American single malt. It's a it's a it's a whiskey made with uh, two row barley, and uh, we make it out of our distillery, and it's aged in fifteen gallon casks or barrels. Uh, so we age that for around year year and a half, two years, all different. It's a it's a younger whiskey but it's aged in a smaller cast. So uh, since it's aged in a smaller cast, it ages a lot faster opposed to a 15, 53 gallon barrel. Mm. So uh, I would, I would, I tell people it ages usually three times as faster as a normal barrel because it has more surface area for the alcohol since it's a smaller barrel. So gotcha. it ages a lot faster. So if you were to age this into a, for around, I don't know, three to five years, it would be too oaky and it wouldn't taste right but aging it in a in a small cask for a year to two years it has the, the perfect taste to it you ever get like a really small cask like a you know like a, oh oh yeah <laughs> yeah it's, i've had agent like a week <laughs> yeah, oh yeah yeah it'll age super quick but oh give us a sample of this Cool, man. Yeah, walk, walk me through this too. Cause yeah. I want to, I want to kind of understand what I'm, I'm tasting here. I, I do like whiskey whiskey. If I'm drinking anything, yeah. I, I tend to I tend to go the, I like the whiskey and I like the bourbon route. That's kind of, that's kind of what I like. Yeah. So this is like, cheers. cheers so this man. is uh, an entry level, I would say an entry level scotch. So if, gotcha. you, if you've never drank scotch or you want to get into scotches or even American single malts, this is a nice entry level. There's uh, no peat to it. So you don't get that like really like leather belt, like nasty tasting, but to some people, they love that, that taste. So that, that, that's what we're talking about. Some of the subjectivity, right? Some people love it. Some, yeah, people, so, some yeah. people hate it. A lot of people there's everybody's taste buds are different, but this is just how my taste buds are. And I just, um, I just love how this tastes and it's, uh, has nice legs on it and has a really nice color. So we also age this in, in a, uh, high char barrel too so it gets nice. that smoky flavor to it where you yeah get. I, I definitely get that has this um how, how do you like your i mean some some whiskeys i have you know they're they tend to be obviously some of the longer this is not aged as long yeah. so it's going to be a little more brush on the past it's gonna be as like quote unquote smooth yeah. correct yeah. is that what they how they call it yeah so i've had people compare this to like a six seven eight-year-old scotches and then I tell them, they're like, what? This is only age for this long. And, and it's just the barrel. It's just a smaller barrel. Hmm. So, and it really, it really does it. So typically, do, do you like, when you drink whiskey, do you like something that's a little more um, harsh and you're feeling some of the burn? Or do you kind of like it to be as, as smooth as, as possible on, on, on the palate? It, it depends. I, right. Yeah. Because sometimes like I, I used to like, oh, well, this isn't as smooth and and I've had some smooth ones. So I'm like, yeah, I kind of want to know I'm drinking. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, I'm kind of fall more into the camp of, I want to, I want to know if I'm having a whiskey, you know what I mean? Yeah. So this is, uh, I've, it, it's hard to say because some days I like that burn and then mm. other days I like nice, smooth, yeah, just like this, this is a higher proof. And this, this whiskey right here, the blue common, it's at 92 proof and it's, oh, yeah. uh, it's a little bit higher, but you don't, doesn't taste you don't get that like mm. really hot 
flavor to it. It does have some nice legs on it, man. I'm looking at yeah. this glass right now. They're, yeah. really, they're all over the place. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really nice. It's, uh, and just the smokiness from it. It's not, it's not too smoky either. Mm. And it's just a nice, I, I would say it's a nice entry level scotch for someone who just wants to get in or you, or even bourbons too. It's a nice, it's something good just to start out with. So what would you say? Have you, uh, was this always the original recipe where there are things that you've changed? Um, yeah. So it's funny how I, uh, how I got this recipe was I, uh, I was, I wanted to make a, a, a single malt and, uh, and I just was researching it. I was researching the different types of barley. There's two rows, six row. And a lot of people use the six row because it's cheaper. And I went up to the brewery up the street from us and I asked them, if they had any uh, extra malt I could borrow and they had some and I took it and they had two row barley, which mm. it's the same exact barley used to make beer. And I took it and I made it. And I was like, wow, this doesn't taste bad. So I just stuck with the recipe and it's, mm. it was kind of a gamble because you have to let it sit for a year, two years. And I just let it sit and, and it just turned out, turned out really good. Turned out <laughs> really good. So. I, yeah. I like it a lot, man. I really yeah. do. I, um, again, I don't really even, I'm, I'm a, I'm a beer guy through and mm-hmm. through, but if I, I, if I am venturing off yeah, whiskey and bourbon is kind of where I, I, I like to play. Yeah. Um, but this is, this is really good. I like it a lot. I get the, definitely get the smokiness for sure. Yeah. I like the, the feel in the palate's real nice. The legs are incredible. I've, I've honestly never seen more legs. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, uh, it's, it turned out really well. And I was, I was surprised to see. Cause I've really, I've, I've never, I, I was like, all right, let's, I know I've never made a single malt whiskey, mm. just barley. So it was just, it was just, it was really cool to see uh, how this turned out and it turned out pretty well. So, so what other, other malts are used? So, so say someone wanted to do a single malt with a different, it's, you can use something else. Besides. Yeah. You could use so many and you could use, there's so many different types of malts. I mean, it's just like making beer. You could get like a one that you could chocolate malt, malts or smoky malt, peated malt, um, malts from different countries, and it's it's all different and and it's just it, and it really will it will really will change the whole the total flavor of hmm. the whiskey. So so we we've talked about this before about you know as you're growing you also don't want to lose that some of that small feel and being able to yeah. focus on little projects. It seems mm-hmm. like a lot of the craft world now, whether that's craft uh, distilleries, craft um, wineries, craft mm-hmm. breweries, people want that, that next thing. They, yep. they like the stuff in the small batch. They yeah. like it. The fact that there's only a limited supply of this. Yep. They like when it's something interesting or different. Yeah. So you've mentioned this to me before, as far as some of the projects that, that you would like to work on. Um, you know, in regards to whiskeys or, or doing things or, um, you know, double oaking things with different types of barrels. So yeah. maybe speak to that a little bit as far as the creativity and the ingenuity yeah. on that side of what, where, how you want to push that. So being in the small distillery that I'm currently in and not into the new warehouse, it's tough for me to do all these small batches and all these, I have so many ideas and that that's like a struggle that we have because I have to do my core brands that I'm in liquor stores all around Jersey and I have to keep on making all that stuff. And me moving into this new warehouse, is going to help me do so many, so much more mm-hmm. uh, small brands and stuff. And, but we, we've done so many different small, small batches and they turned out great. Like our last small batch we did, we did a honey, a honey bourbon 
and hmm. we only did i think it was like 200 bottles and it sold out in like three days and it was unbelievable so we took my bourbon and and we aged it into a honey barrel and we put well first we put the honey in the barrel and we let that sit in the barrel for about uh i think like uh two months we had that honey in there for and we took that honey out and then after that, we put the bourbon back in it and the bourbon sat in that barrel for I think like five months, five or six months. And it's, that's kind of long for a barrel to, to uh, finish. You usually want to have it finished for anywhere from two to three months, hmm. but I forgot about it. <laughs> and then <laughs> one day I was like, oh man, like I need us, I need to take this out and bottle this. Yeah. And I was tasting it. I was like, dude, this tastes awesome. So <laughs> and some of those dudes, sometimes like the, like the biggest quote unquote mistakes turn into like yeah. blessings you know what I, I mean? know it turned that that turned out that that batch turned out awesome and i get i still to this day i get people that are begging the for me to make it again and i'm i'm gonna do it again but it's just uh you gonna do it in larger quantity this time yeah yeah i need to do it a lot because i got liquor stuff. i got people just begging for it again and i'm but I, it was just, I don't have the space and everything and it's so once again to my new warehouse i'm gonna do a lot more small batches and then Right now I have a small batch that's brewing and I kind of forgot about it. I kind of didn't forget about it. And it's this, and it's, uh, it, it's during the coronavirus spellbound had a ton of beer that went bad or almost went bad during COVID because they couldn't sell it to the restaurant. So they had all this bad beer center around. They were going to dump it down the drain and they ended up giving it to me and I ended up distilling it. They're bad beer. And making whiskey out of it so it's their peach ipa and uh, i distilled it and it came out awesome just just the peach notes and everything it's just unbelievable so i ended up putting it into the into the um one of our rum barrels so it's been aged in a rum barrel for almost like two years mm -hmm. so i'm gonna release that for our anniversary party it'll be our five year five or six yeah uh, yeah five year it'll be a five-year anniversary open to the public in our tasting room so then that'll be in july so we're going to release that in july and that's going to be super small batch that's probably only going to be like 80 bottles of it but i'm super excited for that see how that's going to turn out so so talk, talk us through um okay so we have the the name train wreck mm -hmm. we talked about how a lot of your your spirits are you know fall in line with that theme but where did the name come from so the name Trainwreck came from the building. So when we we bought the building in 2015, <laughs> for the people that don't know, tell tell them tell them what the building is. So we're we're actually in the old train depot in Mount Holly. So it's the, the train stations is almost 200 years old. It's an old building, but it's, it has so much character to it, and it's just it's it's a really really cool building. It's, it's just cool though, because I think a lot of people, sometimes it's like, they, okay, they have a name, but it's like this generic building. Yeah. You guys actually have this really old train depot yeah. where trains used to come through there. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? There's yeah. actually, there's a car, there's a, a car. Yeah. That's yeah, like yeah, a caboose maybe, in the back. Yeah. So it, it's really cool. We had a little caboose in the back. We're currently uh, converting that into a restaurant or something. I don't know. It's, it's under construction right now. We're almost done it. Um, it's just another one of our projects that we have going. So, uh, 
but yeah, the, when we bought it, me and my dad, we walked into the train station. We're like, man, this place is a train wreck. It was just disgusting. <laughs> and and then we kept on saying, like, yeah, this place, this place is disgusting. It's a train wreck. And then we're like, man, that train wreck, that'd be a good name. And then we stuck with it and we ended up getting it trademarked and everything. And yeah, that's that's how we came up with the name, just with with walking in the building and just the building was disgusting when we bought it. It, it. We had bums living in the basement and it was an old Jamaican restaurant and it was this mm. thick grease on the walls and someone broke into it and all electric was cut. The water was cut and it was just, it was a train wreck in there. So, <laughs> and it was, and then that's how we came up with the name. So it's, do, you, do you guys use some of that floor grease in your, in your, in your nah, whiskey? Nah, <laughs> no, nah, we use the, we, we use the mop bucket water, for that. <laughs> but no, nah, it, uh, it, it it's good i there's just a it I, I i couldn't imagine us being in another spot i mean just to have our tasting room it has really good vibes in it and uh we've done so much work to it and it's really turned out really really nice and so it's so a cool spot but as far as the experience so i've been there a couple times mm-hmm. more than a few times and you you walk in and it is really cool it's like this old train stop building yeah um you've done a really nice job with the interior you can see a lot of old like artifacts and stuff from that maybe weren't left in the building originally i'm not sure but talk to like the experience of walking in there and then um you know it's not just okay come in and have a whiskey a straight whiskey or come in and have a straight vodka it's you guys do your own whole concoction of cocktails and stuff so let's kind of maybe gear the conversation towards okay what's the experience when I walk in and mm. then um, what's the thought behind some of the, the cocktails that we make? Yeah. So when you first walk in, you're, it's like walking back in time, kind of. So you walk into this old train station and we have, uh, when you walk into the right, we have our bar and then to the left, we have our actual distillery where we make everything. And first I'll talk about the distillery real quick. Uh, so you walk into the left, you see we have a barrel rack with all of our barrels and we have our still, we have our fermenters. And when you walk in, you get a tour and you can try anything you want. And then after that, you go over to the bar and we have a ton of different craft cocktails that you can have by one of our mixologists. And I think, I think we have maybe right now on our menu, we have like 30 different cocktails. Whoa. So all different kinds from vodka, vodka, rum, gin, bourbon. And, and we do a, one of our best cocktails we did, we, we make is our smoked old fashioned where it's our bourbon and we smoke that on cherry wood and, and it has all the uh, ingredients for an old fashioned. And it, that's, that's one of our best selling. It's, and it's a really, really good drink. I haven't tried that one. I can't believe I haven't tried that. Yeah. Um, that's a really good popular one. How about, um, do you guys have, I'm guessing you guys have rotating stuff too for like seasonal stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, right. We have tons of different seasonal drinks and, uh, and just, just for Valentine's day, we did this, uh, we infused our, we made this strawberry infused vodka and we made a martini out of it with chocolate covered. And that was just unbelievable. Whoa. Yeah. So we, all of our mixologists, we all, we all, figure out drinks for the season and everything seasonal drinks, but we still have our classic craft cocktails also where you come in and try them out. So, so let's talk about vision for a second. Um, you mentioned part of your vision was, you know, you have some of this expansion plan, both as far as, you know, some of the barrel storage, mm-hmm. as far as a large, the larger place you have now to, mm-hmm. to make more um, for the distribution projects. Now we also spoke about some of the side things you want to do. 
Um, one thing that we threw around in the past, we were just uh, talking was some of the, like uh, the craft cocktails, either canned cocktails. Mm-hmm. I was actually at a restaurant the other day and they had um, a barrel there with just barrel aged cocktails. Yeah. So, you know, let me know your thoughts on both the industry. Like, where do you think the industry is going? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I really think they, uh, there's the, the RTDs ready to drink uh, cocktails are going crazy right now. I mean, everybody's making them and uh, we're, we're in a process. So we're in R and D right now of making um, our own simple syrups or our own cocktails to go in, in a, in a bottle where you could buy the bottle and you could pour the, the syrup or the mix inside of a drink. And then you just add the alcohol to it. And mm. then you have one of our cocktails right there. Gotcha. And we're also working on, we're an R and D with uh, canned cocktails also. Mm. So it's just, uh, it's just once we get settled into our new facility, we're going to start doing all that and just, just trying to keep up with everybody else. And there's, there, there's a lot of room to grow in it, but uh, it's, it's, it's pretty crazy. I mean, I, I don't, I don't think if it was for, for COVID, the R, the RTD market would be going up so crazy because everybody likes to go out to get cocktails, but now mm. they could go to the, their local liquor store and get a craft cocktail right in the can, just open it up, pour it in a glass, and then there you go. Do you think? So. Do you think the cocktails in general? Do you think that they're too too hard to make as is? You know yeah, what I mean? I mean? Like it's like it's a, it's that game of yeah. Like okay, it's already maybe not too complicated, but if we can make it easier, people seem yeah. to want it that way, but I, I don't know. And is, is, is that, how does that play into like quality? Like, is, yeah. is it not as good? Is it, you know, yeah. is it better? I don't know. So, so to answer that question, it's kind of like our lavender lemonade. So we make this cocktail, it's called a lavender lemonade. And we make this, uh, this purple lavender, simple syrup. And it takes probably like an hour to make. And it's with real lavender and we mix that all up and, and we add that and it's just, and it's just, it's, it's just, just a pain to make that where if we had that already made right into a cocktail, you could just grab it and go. It's so much easier. Hmm. So e- e- even, even making an old fashioned in a can, it, I right. mean, not a lot of people know how to make an old fashioned. I mean, it's pretty simple. All it is, is just uh, cherry, orange, bitters, and it's a little bit of sugar and you pour it all mix it all together but if you could have that instantly and you just go on the shelf and say yeah i want that old-fashioned can why wouldn't you you know what, what would you rather have like you personally would you rather have uh an old-fashioned that someone made fresh uh, or one that was in a can old-fashioned made fresh <laughs> see what i mean now yeah. it's like it's like people it's, people like they're ready to to, yeah. to do it but at the same time i like if you have an old fashioned, you're not going to get that, that same yeah. like cherry mm-hmm. aroma. You know what I mean? You're not yeah. going to get it. I feel like. Yeah. It's uh, I, uh, but I've also had some really good, uh, really good, really good ready to drink cocktails. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, maybe, uh, maybe it just needs more time. You know, maybe it's one of those things that just needs a little, uh, um, some time to let, let the, let the market mature a little bit as far as those cocktails go. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, uh, well, we'll see what happens. I mean, I think the coronavirus really, it, uh, it hurt the market and it helped the market too all at the hmm. same time. But during coronavirus, we 
stop production, we ended up making hand sanitizer. So, oh yeah, yeah. Speak to that for a little bit because um, it was one of those times where a lot of businesses were, um, you know, struggling a lot, going through a lot of shit. Yeah. And on the other hand, though, usually when there's turmoil, it's an opportunity. Opportunities kind of rise. Okay, this has yeah. to be done. This has to be, you know, implemented. Mm -hmm. So talk about that and what your distillery did for some of the local communities as far as converting a lot of your equipment to do that stuff. So it all started out uh, during the pandemic. I was just when the pandemic was getting ready to start um, on the news, there was, they were saying, Oh, we're all out of hand sanitizer. We don't have any hand sanitizer. And I was like, wow. Like we always said, we always, we would clean with our alcohol and hand sanitizer is made with alcohol. So I was thinking one, like I saw it on the news and I would, and I was like, man, I could really, I could really make this pretty easy. So that night I went home, I researched how to make hand sanitizer and I found a recipe and they ended up making this guidelines for the, um, during coronavirus that made it a really easy recipe to make. So the next day I woke up, went to the distillery and tried to make it. And I bought some ingredients that I could find and I, and I ended up making it. And I was like, Hey dad, like, I think we could do this and maybe it would help us while, while in this current Well, And, and none of us knew what was going to happen. Mm. I mean, we didn't know it was going to be closed down and stuff was going to be closed down for years. Right. Like a like it is now. And my dad's like, nah, nah, we, we, we already have too many brands. We can't, we can't do something else. So I was like, all right, dad. So the next thing I, I, I didn't listen to him. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I, uh, I went on Instagram and I posted on our Instagram. I was, and I said, uh, yeah, we just started making hand sanitizer. And, and if anybody needs anything, let us know. And just, just like jokingly and it just blew up. And I was like, Oh man. So I was getting calls all after I did that, I was getting calls, emails and everything. And I was like, Oh man, what did I do? <laughs> and, uh, and it just turned out to be something really big. And, I ended up uh, donating. So first, I, I I got a call from a bunch of fire departments and first responders, and and they're like, "Hey, we need some of this stuff." And I was like, "Yeah, no problem. I'll donate you guys a couple couple gallons or whatever." So I ended up donating, and then and then during the pandemic too, we ended up donating tons and tons of to the public. So once a week, we would donate to the public. So we had lines out the door like down the street, people would come getting hand sanitizer and, and we, we would make it. And it was, and it was pretty, it was pretty cheap and easy to make. And then, uh, and then we, I kept on getting calls and calls and we, uh, we were donating so much. So then we ended up selling some to all different kinds of agencies and everything just to keep up with donating to the first responders and everything. And then, mm -hmm. and then it just came so big and we just, we were just getting slammed with orders and it was this crazy, it was this craziness and it kept us busy. We, we ended up, uh, we kept all of our employees had jobs. They didn't have to, to stop working and, mm. and it was a very safe environment. Everybody's all safe and everything. And no one got sick the whole time. I mean, we were stuck in alcohol, so we were, we were <laughs> all really clean and it, uh, it all worked out good. So we, uh, we made tons and tons of hand sanitizer in that, uh, 
that really helped us stay afloat during the coronavirus also. So what, what that tells me is that you kind of have to be on your toes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like when, when something happens, it could disrupt mm-hmm. your business. Okay. Yeah. We, people don't, we don't have people coming in to buy drinks because mm-hmm. they, they don't can or don't want to. So now we kind of have to shift our focus so we can preserve the integrity of the business long-term. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, is that a, a theme that you see a lot as far as like, okay, here's a problem. And it's at the end of the day, that's what business mm-hmm. is. You really have this yeah. problem. People want, want to drink. Mm-hmm. We're going to supply with those drinks. Yeah. But then even within that, you have all these day-to-day things that can pull you aside and mm-hmm. take up your time. So you just have to be ready to switch at any, any moment being in business. You just have to be ready. I mean, if someone's giving you lemons, you got to make lemonade. So, I mean, mm. you just have to be ready to switch anything that happens. What, what if they give you limes? You make limeade. There you go. Yeah. See, that's what I'm talking you just, about. You just got to just gotta think of something, think of it out of the box, and you just got to go with it. I mean, we were making vodka, rum, whiskey, and gin, and all of a sudden, they shut down your tasting room, and they're like, yeah, you can't sell anything to anybody. So we're like, okay, we're going to, we're going to, we're fine. No need to panic. We'll start making to-go cocktails, or we'll start making hand sanitizer. You just have to be ready for anything. You just have to think outside the box. And that's what uh, me and my father were good at. We're just good at thinking outside of the box and thinking of ways to how we're going to keep this business afloat and how we're going to make money from it. So it's uh, it's good. Do you do you think people think too much in business sometimes? Mm-hmm. So what I mean by that is I think people have to obviously you have to vet ideas, make sure that they're actionable, make sure that they're yeah. they, they can be profitable for the business. But, you know, if it checks some of those boxes, do you think people dwell on it too much as opposed to kind of trying to take action where they can? Oh, yeah. I, I think people I think people think way too much and they think too hard and they they they'll have all these college degrees and all this kind of craziness. And and at the end of the day, it's just how you how you just end up making it and doing it. So I, I, I agree with that. I think people think really hard and they don't need to think that hard they they just need to just do it and, and so do you think that's different for different industries uh so you know like some industries where is it is it, for example is it harder i see you have an attorney yeah. is it harder for that attorney to do it or do you think the same logic applies there like if there's things that they can hey this might be a good idea or a good side thing or a good way to get new clients you think this this logic of um, you know, kind of just trying out ideas applies to all industries. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think so. Um, I, I, I definitely, definitely think so. Um, huh. I said, I said brain, brain blank. <laughs> yeah, man. It's, it's that, it's that blue comment. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh man. But, uh, yeah, I, uh, I definitely think so. It's just, uh, no, it's, it, 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 that's why it's a question, man. It's, it's hard because I think for some people, it might depend on the person too. Like if you're not out of the box thinker, yeah. it could be kind of hard to be like, okay, let's, let's, let's shift our business model. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I think, you know, as far as being the most agile business, it's probably a, an important part because mm-hmm. no matter what, what comes up, no matter what happens, if we're, if we are able to be agile or change course, mm-hmm. we know that we can at least get through it, you know, to the next yeah. step where yeah. we're back in business as usual. Yeah. Um, so 
let's talk about the the admin side of the business. So I think sometimes people, like you said, get caught up in the sexy side of the business. Okay, mm-hmm. we're out here serving drinks, making lavender lavender cocktails, making mm-hmm. old fashions. Mm-hmm. But like, there's also a a real tangible side to this business that's like, okay, we have paperwork, we have bills, yeah. we have X, Y, and Z that we have to do. Um, how is that process for a business of of your size? Yeah, it's just uh, we have a full time bookkeeper and she does all of our books for us. And it's just a lot of paperwork. It's a lot of just writing down and keeping notes and keeping everything uh, all, all organized. It's just being organized is a big thing because if you're not organized, it's going to be really hard and keeping all your receipts and just keeping everything, just keeping everything all right, keeping all the ducks in the row. It's just, it, it's tough, but it's just part of just part of running, running the successful business. Because if, mm. if you're all out of order and everything, it's just going to make your life hard, really, really hard. So um, we have, we have to do reports every month. So if I don't have all my paperwork in line, it's, it's going to make my life harder. It's going to make my bookkeeper's life harder. It's going to make everything's life harder. <laughs> so, right. so it's good to keep everything all organized and have a good system. Mm. So right. it took us a while to figure out that system too. I mean, it took us uh, years and we're still adjusting our system right now. So having, having a good system really helps us a lot. Yeah. I, th- I think, I think processes and, and systems from what I've seen are, are extremely important in businesses. Mm-hmm. Like if you don't have this system or process in place and every time you go to do something, especially something that's repeatable, you know, that, that's wasted time. Just, yep. just trying to get it done this month. I'll do, yeah. do the same thing next month. But if we have an oiled machine here where, mm-hmm. okay, every month we get these receipts here to this person who mm-hmm. does the bookkeeping and, you know, if everything just flows and everyone understands their role as part of the larger system, mm-hmm. it seems to go a lot smoother. Yeah. So um, I guess the other side of that coin in the small business area is, you know, you have employees. Um, I'm sure that presents its own, oh, yeah. its own challenge. You know what I mean? As, yeah. as any employer would, because, Anytime you're managing people, it can create, you know, turmoil or there can, there can be things that arise in dealing with people. So maybe speak to that side of things. Yeah. I mean, at, the, at first I wanted to do everything. I just wanted to make everything, do this, do that, do that. But I, that, 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 that's I, a theme that we've seen a lot on here yeah. is even past guests. They've said that if they're oriented a certain way, or if they think it's going to take too much time to train somebody, they'll just kind of do it themselves, but yeah. maybe speak to why it's not a good idea. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you just kill yourself. I mean, I, I had a, I just had it. So in the beginning, I just, I started making spirits and it just got too much for me. And I was, and I was making spirits and I was running the distillery. So at, at the time I was like, wow, this is too much. I need to get someone to help me out and I need to build my brand. And only better person to build my brand is myself because I, I know my brand better than anybody else. So I ended up hiring a distiller and I started building my brand and then I was still running the tasting room and I was like, man, I can't do this. I need to build my brand. So <laughs> I ended up hiring a, hiring bartenders and bar managers. And, and then we started, we had a bookkeeper and, and then we, then production started to get busier for the distillers. And we hired an assistant distiller and it's just, Right now, I think we have a total, I think maybe around 25 employees in Mm -hmm. the train wreck. And it's just been, uh, 
it's it's a lot and it's a, it's a lot to handle a lot to keep up with but uh it definitely helps a lot for me for myself to where i could focus on building my brand and getting into other states and doing this and doing that opposed for me running around being rushed and just being super stressed out i mean mm. All my employees, they just relieve a lot of stress from from me. And if I didn't have them, it would just make business a lot harder to deal with. So, yeah, I think that's a great point because I think you have to be able to, if you can't make it till tomorrow, mm-hmm. then your business is shot anyway. Mm-hmm. So it's all about bringing in the necessary pieces, whether that's a system, whether that's employees, in order to keep moving the business yeah. forward. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's kind of where it has to go. We're all trying to preserve the business here so that we can sustain this business mm-hmm. so that we can continue to grow yep. in our in our pursuit of yeah. where we're trying to go. Yeah, and, and you can't do everything by yourself. You definitely, I mean, you, you, you always need help. And I know. And that's the best, that's the best thing, this, to be able to know that you can't do it all and you need help. So it's, my, my employees help me out a ton. So I'm, I'm very thankful for them. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure for, you know, some people who start businesses, it can be a humbling experience. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're either used to doing everything themselves or being the center of all of it, but really stepping in and letting others help you is yeah. probably the best way to, oh, to yeah. grow. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, I, and, and even that I even learned from my employees too. I mean, they've, they've worked at past bars or restaurants or distilleries mm-hmm. and they taught me a lot too. So it also helped me right. just hearing from them. And it, and, it, and here's also from another person too, just not from myself. They say, Hey, Aaron, we need to do this. We need to do that to make the business more successful than it is now. So it, it helps a lot also because they also have good ideas to help out. So how would, how would you describe, um, the, the train wreck brand. So there's a bunch of different distilleries more and more popping up mm-hmm. and, you know, all of them because they're distilleries are going to distill and make spirits. Yeah. But um, what would you say is the brand or what, what sets train wreck apart in your mind? So it, ours, um, I guess, number one, were family operations. So, I mean, if you've been to our distillery, you've seen my parents, you've seen my brothers behind the bar I mean, you see me, I mean, we're very family oriented and, and going into a place like that, it's just, it's a, it's a different feel opposed to going into a place where it's just run by corp, a corporate setting. Mm. I mean, you, you, you get the, you get the diamond family vibe when you come to the train, (laughs) when, when you come into the train wreck, but, uh, but I mean, for the brand overall, it's, um, we're a rustic brand and, uh, trying to think that's a that's a really good question um i i it's it's just small batch i would say too yeah um small batch and we use a lot of local ingredients also we try to keep it local and opposed to the big guys it's different and and another thing with us between us and the big guys we get change on the dime so say if something's not working right we could we could make a left turn or Mm. a right turn with the big guys they're just making they're just going straight Right. So it's harder for them to turn opposed to us. We could turn instantly. Right. 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 So, um, but, uh, I, I do kind of get that rustic vibe, both, yeah. but, but both from like your, even your packaging and your, um, yeah. your labels and in your branding, even some of like the, the pictures you got on your, on mm-hmm. your Instagram and stuff, you can tell that 
you know, you got some cool, really cool shots with like, you know, your whiskey bottles out by like a train or yeah, you know, train yeah, tracks yeah, and stuff. Definitely, definitely rustic vibe. We get a lot of like train, train enthusiasts that like are really a lot, of, lot of, a lot of train. People. I, feel like, I feel like there's a lot of train people out there. I feel like it's like an yeah. under, it, it, you think it's like, okay, there's maybe three of those guys out there, but there's probably no. millions. Yeah, there, there's <laughs> so many. And it's, and it's funny, be, it's funny because um, we'll get, train people that come to the distillery we get we'll get people that like distilleries we'll get people that like old buildings we'll we get all kinds of people that come huh. into our distillery so it's so it's the vibes kind of like this historic uh rustic um time travel thing back into like yeah you know i i, I get that vibe it's cool i like that a lot yeah so it's uh it's 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 uh it's it's a lot of fun i uh I tell people all the time, I love coming in to work every day and I couldn't see myself doing anything else besides this. Hmm. So, I mean, just the industry and everything, it's just a lot of fun and just. What, what would you be doing today if you were doing this? Uh, probably on a beach surfing. Costa Rica or something? Yeah, Costa Rica or uh, I don't know, maybe giving surf lessons or or just working, maybe fishing or. Was that was that always in the in the cards for you? Like, if you you think that like the, um, the corporate structure of things was wouldn't be a fit? Uh, yeah, I, I I could never see myself working for someone else. I mean, hmm. all all my life I've worked for myself. I mean, when I started, I started buying and selling cars when I was sixteen years old, and and then I moved into real estate, and then I started the distillery. So I've I've never had someone above me besides my parents telling me what to do and and uh i i, I don't have a college degree hmm. and all through high school i've had teachers saying oh you need a college degree to be the successful and i was like nah nah you know it's uh i i've made i know i know a ton of people that don't have that and uh and it just just made me want to work harder and I don't know. Maybe speak to that for a second. Cause I, I know that seems to be something that comes up more and more often mm-hmm. is people are spending a lot of money on education mm-hmm. um, because they think that this will help them in their career. And in some cases it may, but I think there's also another, yeah. a, another world where there, there's also other ways to learn, you oh, know, yeah. through, like I've said before on some guests here, you could, you could look through even podcasts in general it could be a wealth of information yeah. that you can learn pretty much anything on any topic. So it's like, I agree with you in that, you know, there is probably not the the route for everybody. Yeah. Um, But how do you think that people who think about business or I'm, I'm thinking about doing this thing should weigh that in conjunction with the potential of going to a college? Yeah. So, so um, it's, it's, it's just crazy. I mean, a lot of people say, Oh yeah. If, if, if you want to be a millionaire, you need to go to college. And I don't, I don't agree with that at all. I mean, there, there's so many ways to make money where you could just learn something from someone else. Mm. And I think with schooling and everything, I have tons of friends, they have, they spent thousands and thousands of dollars in college and everything. And, and they got, they get these degrees and now they're just working these average jobs and they're like, man, I've spent all this time and money on this, 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 um, schooling and I'm sitting here, uh, stuck. What, what should I do? I'm like, well, you need to find something that you like to do. Hmm. 
and something that you want to do. And that's, that's probably how you're going to be successful. Do, do you think, and, do you think part of the problem is that people, um, you know, go to college hoping to find something they want to do as opposed to trying things out? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think you need to try, you just need to keep on trying something out until you, until, until you find it. I mean, it's just, you just got to figure out all your hobbies and everything you like to do. And, and that's, that's something that you could be very successful at. Um, it's, it, it's tough, but, uh, but I also think college is also a good, good for, for some, some degrees. Um, you, you need to, you need to learn from something, but, uh, it's, I don't know. It's, it, it, it all depends on, it all depends on what you want to do and, and, hmm. and, and what, and, what's your plan you need to have a plan too so right so it, it almost comes down to like be being a bit self-aware yeah about what's good for me you know exactly. what i mean like if i'm if i don't if i can figure out the path i want to go if it doesn't necessarily need to be through college if i can learn better by just going say directly to a, a master distiller and be like, i'm yeah. gonna learn from him because i want to do this yeah. So it could just be a, a matter of feeling out yeah. what's what's best for you and having some self-awareness about that. Yeah, exactly. And then, or, or just even asking someone. So say if you like, I don't know, say if you wanted to start a landscaping company and you went to Joe's landscaping, you're like, Hey man, I'll work for you for free. And Joe would be like, yeah, sure. Work for me for free. And then you'll be able to learn the landscaping business. And that's a good way to figure that out. It's just to work for an offer free time. And, and I've done that too. I've asked so many distillers and everything. You're like, Hey, like you need any help? I'll definitely help you out. And then that's the best way to learn. Hmm. I mean, just working in the environment and working is just, you could learn so much, but when, when you're working in the industry too. But um, So for people who are interested in maybe a, a career of something that like, Oh, I really like distilling. I really like, um, whatever, whatever that, that thing is for them. Yeah. Um, what are the best ways in your opinion to learn based I, on your experience? So I would, yeah, that's good. Um, I would just, just try it out. Just make sure you just actually like what you're doing and just say, Hey man, like I'll just, if you need help here and there, here and there, just for you, just to try it out to see, even if you like it, you might, you might say, Hey, I don't like doing this. Like, and you could just back out instantly, or you could say, Hey, I love doing this. And you could keep on learning and learning from it. And, and it's free knowledge. Right. And the thing is like, even if it's not the right thing, it's still a step in the right direction. Exactly. So at least you're checking off something that I don't want to do. Exactly. <laughs> so, so, so yeah, so you don't go backwards. So you can keep, yeah, exactly. Um, so <laughs> the, a lot of people have, um, been talking recently about issues that they've had as far as getting materials. Mm -hmm. um, is that something that's not a concern for you? Because you said a lot of your stuff is sourced locally. So has that been a problem? Or yeah. if there is, what's been the problem? Yeah, it's been a huge problem. So a lot of our ingredients we get locally, but our bottles we get from overseas. Mm. And it's just been a nightmare getting bottles. I mean, the bottle right here that we have this single malt bottle i had a container container stuck in belgium for like eight months wow. and i couldn't touch it or i couldn't do anything because i mean all the shipping all the ships they were all stuck and i couldn't do anything about it and i just had to just deal with it and try to find other bottles that look like it and try to try to 
sell the, and I have all these liquor stores that are asking, Hey, Hey, we need the stuff. But I'm, I'm just like, well, I got the stuff, but I don't have anything to put it in. <laughs> so like it was, it was tough, but, uh, I found solutions. I found other bottles or other, I put them in other bottles or did, and I had bottles saved and I had a few pallets that I left in case of like an, in case of emergency pallet. So I, I dealt with it and we, and that, that, that was the biggest problem was just sourcing bottles and caps, but everything else was it, it, like all my ingredients, they all still went up because like, say with like uh, malt corn and all that, I mean, the fertilizer prices are just going crazy. So then that bumps that price up too. And just, just everything's going up, but since everything's going up, we had to raise our prices. And so we really didn't really get affected by it because we, we just raised our prices and so did everybody else. It's just, it, it, it's tough right now because you don't want to raise your prices, but it's like a bottle of Hennessy went up by like $7. It's crazy. Wow. So, um, I, I mean, it's just not us. It's just everybody. And we're just raising our prices right now and, and just keep just trying to keep up with everything. So what about, um, like safeguards to put in place and, maybe speak, I think this can be applied to other industries, but maybe speak for just like the bottles that you had set aside, you got a, a couple of pallets set aside. Okay. Yeah. Case of emergency, we have these, Yeah. Um, you know, what other things have you done or, or should businesses think about doing um, if things should arise like this? Yeah. I mean, you never know what's going to happen. I mean, after the pandemic, I'll always have just ingredients and everything. I'll just buy more than I need. You, you always need more than mm. what you need. And, and throughout before, even before the pandemic, I always bought more than what I need in case anything ever happened. So, but during the pandemic, I, I just had this feeling that, cause they even talked before they're like, Oh, everything's going to close down. They're going to do this. They're going to do that. So I ended up buying just massive bulk quantity of everything that I could get. So, I mean, my bottle manufacturer, they said they had like, I don't know six pallets seven pallets i was like i'll take them all just give them all. <laughs> and because i knew I, I knew i used them right and and i did and i went through them all and thank god i had those extra pallets that and if i didn't i would have been screwed because hmm. now you're looking so say if i need pallets now it, it could be one month or it could be one year wow and that could set me back big time and my bottles the, my labels fit my bottles a certain way. So if I were to change a bottle, I'd have to change my label. So, and when I make my labels, you, there's certain like die cuts and certain sizes and everything. And it, right. it, would, it would just be super cost if just costly to change. If I had to change my, this, this, so this, the, the blue comet bottle, if I had to change that into a round bottle it would just, it, it wouldn't fit. I'd have to change it the whole thing and it would just be tough. And even the look of that bottle too. It's a nice square bottle. Yeah. It's really nice. And, I like it a uh, lot. Yeah. It's that it's beautiful color on it. Yeah. Yeah. It, the, the whole, uh, it all, uh, looks that, 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 that whole brand you get, came out good. Do you get, do you guys uh, apply your own labels? Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> with, uh, the only for the blue comet, the blue comet's special. Okay. And it's just, everything's handmade by the blue comet. And it's a pain, it's also a pain in the ass. <laughs> yeah, so man. it's like because I I've 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 bottled and you know um labeled my fair share of, of beers yeah. and it's it's not it's no. it's very time consuming, very repetitive. Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah, it's tough. 
it's really tough but it uh and all of these are hand labeled and they we have our batch numbers are handwritten on the back too so mm. this is batch 17 i like that i like the handwritten yeah it makes it for like more I don't know, yeah makes it seem like more collectible yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh but yeah it's uh it's 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 good but we have our round bottles that we we have a machine that labels them and just we can uh, crank out a ton of them gotcha but the the square bottles and the tapered bottles they uh they're done by hand and that sucks <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about your um your overall portfolio so people who've been listening so far let's give them like a rundown of each one we kind of mentioned a bunch so far but i think you have what's the total offerings i think 5 6 uh, let me think so we have our vodka so we have our vodka it's a cra- crazy train crazy vodka. train vodka we have blue comet single malt we have train wreck rum we have train wreck gold rum we have uh super chief bourbon mm. and we have the did i say gin the Real, Real Car, Real Car gin yeah Real Car gin and uh i think that's it so your train wreck rum you have you have two variations of that right yeah so we have a gold and we have a silver uh, so the train wreck rum, we use a supreme based molasses with that. So it's a super mm. caramel, vanilla, high, uh, super sweet. It's, it's really good. And then our gold rum is aged in a, uh, X whiskey barrel. So that's aged in there for about a year or two years. And it gets a nice spicy, oaky, sweet flavor to it. So I think some, something a lot of people might not be aware of is they, they see dark liquor, mm. but this this is this is the barrel. This yeah. This is the barrel in liquid form. Exactly. So we don't we don't add any coloring or or flavoring to our spirits. Is is that done by other people? Yeah, I mean, so a lot of like spice rums, they get their color from not 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 a lot of times not from flavoring, but they get it from different spices or mm. different um flavoring but we get our color from the char in the barrel so in the barrel the barrels are charred and they're basically black and uh and that's where the color comes from so yeah it's really i mean especially when you hold it to the light that's like a oh yeah nice amber color oh yeah it's really really nice um the uh i think an important piece of running a business is again to find those things that that make a drastic impact. So if I need to put a process in place, what does that process look like? So, um, and then even how do I get to that process? So it's like, you're busy running your business a lot. So it's, but it seems like if something's not working, you also have to set aside time to think, okay, how am I going to solve this problem? Yeah. So maybe talk about that. Talk about like any rituals or habits or, you know, things that um, you find make a, make a difference in, allowing you to perform at a, at a better level? Uh, just, just being relaxed and just, just try not to stress out. That's, that's, so I, guess, I guess that's your surfing trips for you. That's- yeah. I mean, it's just, <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't been on a surf trip in a while now. I need, I need, I need, <laughs> I need to go away, but it's just, it's just, just not overthinking and just, just, just not being stressed out. You just got to just stay, stay calm and everything's going to go, everything's going to go right. And it's just, and when you're stressed out, I feel like when I come to work and I'm stressed out, it just, I just, I'm just miserable. And it's the worst. It, it's, it's just tough. And it's just try to be relaxed and, uh, and try to be organized. That's the big thing that I've been trying to keep being organized. And, uh, and if, and if you keep, keep that, then you should be, 
should be fine. I yeah, because because stress stress is going to be inherent in almost any business. Oh yeah. And so, but it's hard because it's like here's the it it's like it creates a problem because you don't want to be stressed, but the more stressed you are, the worse you perform, and the more yeah. stressed you get. It's like a vicious cycle that you yeah. kind of have to and and nip it right in the butt as soon yeah. as it starts. Yeah, and 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 you, and you have to. And the, the big thing is you just got to do what you love. I mean, if you don't love doing it. It's going to be worse on those yeah. days that are bad. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be worse. So you just got to, I mean, if, if you're in a business and you hate it, then you need to get, get out of that quick or you need to sell that business and move on to something else. So what, what, what would you, what would you tell people who maybe are in a position where, you know, they have, they have things like either a family to support or, you know, obligations, but they're not happy. Mm-hmm. How would you tell them to maybe navigate that situation? Like it's, it's one thing to say, you need to do something else, but it's another thing to say, you know, well, how am I going to support my family? You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so it's like, I, I think you're right though. I think that they probably do, but maybe it's like, oh, well, I cut back on this job to half yeah. time and I start doing something I like half time and I eventually move completely over yeah. or, you know, there, there's a middle ground there, but yeah, I, def- um, I definitely think like what you said, I think you, you can't totally quit that the, the, the thing that's supporting your family. I think you need to slowly ease out of it. And maybe when you get done work, try out that new job or mm. that new venture that you want to do. But I definitely don't think you should just quit your job unless you have, unless you're feeling really lucky and, <laughs> and, and, and you have really good faith that that, that that's going to, that's going to make a good uh, killing for you and make, make a lot of money for you. But yeah. uh, I also, I, th- I think you should just ease into it and just slowly ease into it and just, just give it a shot. See what happens. I mean, when I started, I, I just didn't, I mean, before I started distilling, I was buying and selling cars and, and doing real estate. And I still kept on doing that. And I, I still do it to this day because I just love doing that. And, mm. uh, but I just, I didn't stop doing it right away. I kept on, right. kept on doing that. And then, um, I mean, I was lucky because I, everything I've done, I've just enjoyed doing it. I've never, uh, never not enjoyed doing something that I, that, that I was doing. So, uh, I just never had that problem, but now I, I, I really, really enjoy distilling and making spirits opposed to doing houses and, uh, doing, doing cars and everything, but, uh, I'm just happy. So, so maybe let's, uh, what's your 90 day plan as far as, you know, things that you want to, um, implement or things that you're looking at, at changing or adjusting and maybe you get into your mind where the why. Yeah. So I I guess in the next 90 days, we're, uh, we're going to be going into a couple more States and, uh, we're going to be, um, be fully moved into our new warehouse. And uh, we're going to start uh, possibly doing some contract distilling for these new companies and new distilleries that are getting ready to open up. And they're awesome. And there's some that's already open. Um, and just keep on, keep on growing the brand and just getting it out there. So it's that, that's pretty much it. Just, just the, 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 the big thing is just getting this new warehouse dialed in and yeah, everything man. on all the kinks and everything. It's just a, it's gonna be such a, a sigh of relief once that gets yeah. it's done. <laughs> yeah, but a while we've been talking about. Yeah, for a while. I know, but I I feel like once it's done, I'm gonna be going on to the next thing. So it's just a never, never ending thing. So yeah, we'll we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, 
before we before we wrap up here, I want to go through maybe some quick questions, just things that are kind of kind of random questions, but yeah. just to get your your opinion on them real quick. Yeah, sure. Um, what's the what's the coolest thing you've seen recently? So it could be anything. It could be a random video you saw. It could be a really cool cocktail. What's the what's the coolest thing that was like? Whoa, that's that. There's something there. Huh. Hmm. That's a good question. Uh, huh. Coolest thing that I saw. That's that's a good question. It's a lot of cool stuff, man. It's hard to um. I know. Pin it down sometimes, but. That's a good question. Uh. I mean, I've, uh, I've, I've seen some pretty cool stuff on cool, cool drink, drink ideas on Instagram. Let's hear, let's hear about it. Um, just, just like these like different types of ways to smoke, like just to do like smoked and infused cocktails and everything. Hmm. There's all kinds of new, like, uh, cocktail smokers and everything. And I I thought that was pretty cool. And I've also seen some, um, cool, um, like these flavored gins and, and they like change colors. I think that might be a cool hmm. idea. So, um, so you think that that's a, a potential route for the industry going forward is more, maybe more emphasis on the, on the visual. Yeah. And just, just something different that, that that's what hmm. I'm, I've been trying to figure out. It's just something different that no one has yet and something. So I'm, I want to think of something that's different and I have a few ideas, but uh, it's uh it's, something I've just been working on just thinking, but I think that would really uh, be something. Yeah, man. Keep, keep, keep us in the loop. Let us yeah, know. Definitely. Let us know when you got them. Um, and then I guess uh, what is your, what is your favorite beverage? Depends. I, I, I get this question asked all the time. So I tell people my favorite, it depends on, uh, depends on the day and depends on the season. I mean, if I'm sitting at the couch, hanging out with my friends, it's uh I'm sitting down drinking bourbon, but if I'm uh, sitting on the beach and uh, and sun's out, I'm drinking some uh, drinking some rum um, or drinking a vodka. Or it, it all depends. I just does it does it skew um, <laughs> towards distilled spirits? Uh, yeah, <laughs> a lot of. The, I'm not a very big beer drinker. I'm, mm. I'm I don't really enjoy drinking beer. I I do like beers. I I I don't get me wrong. I like beers. I like light beers. Mm. Um, I'm kind of a uh, I'm kind of a sissy when I'm drinking beer. I drink kind of <laughs> my go-to beers are like a Bud Light, a Coors Light, or Merrill Light. Right, right, right. Uh, but other than that, yeah, I love. I I'm just I just love good whiskeys too. Just what what's your favorite whiskey like like i, I know it's gonna depend on your mood and stuff but like maybe yeah. just rattle off a top, I mean, a top few that you're like yeah that that's I mean, kind of my, awesome so like my go-to whiskey so say i feel like i'm at a bar right. and they don't have uh like some kind of craft stuff my go-to whiskey is i love bullet on the rocks i mean gotcha. that's like a standard but i've had some like when i was away like i was just in texas i had just some uh just some good texas distilleries um when i was out in um louisville i had some uh the 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 what was what was it called uh rabbit hole they made some good stuff uh what else uh just the old when i was in old forest made some good stuff um there's just so many like even we were down in Florida, went to the St. Pete distillery. They had some really good whiskey. Yeah, St. Pete's a cool town. Yeah, super cool town. 
Um, but I mean, everywhere I've everywhere I've been to, they I've, I've had some really really good. I mean, even out in the Midwest, I've been out there and had some just whiskeys. I'm just like, wow! Like the one time I had this pecan whiskey is so good, and uh, just I don't know if that I've I've I don't think I've came to having a a, a favorite whiskey yet because I've I've had so many really good whiskeys and I still don't know which one's my favorite yet. Hmm. And I just feel like it's just us. So one, one day I'll figure that out. But I mean, in my office, I just have probably a whole wall, of just different types of whiskeys I've tried and bought. And I just sit them <laughs> up there and just like, all right, well, we'll try this. But it's good for R&D. That's, yeah, that's my market research. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it honestly is because if you want this, you get this flavor. But yeah, it's, uh, but yeah, that's, I just haven't, I feel like I haven't had the favorite, the best besides my own. Right, there you I go. mean, my, my <laughs> own whiskey. I mean, it's 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 pretty it's pretty darn good. So, but cool, man. Well, um, I appreciate you coming on. I really yeah, uh, thanks enjoyed, for having enjoyed me. having it was you a good here. Time. Um, well, the next thirty seconds are yours. Feel free to plug anything you want to plug as far as social media or any events you got coming up. The time is yours. Yeah, sure. So, uh, you could check us out uh, in Mount Holly, New Jersey, twenty-five Madison Avenue. We're uh, right downtown Mount Holly. We're open. Uh, thursday friday saturday and sunday um you can follow us on instagram facebook um so our instagram i think it's a train wreck distillery mm-hmm. and same with our facebook so yeah cool thanks. man cool man we see thanks you down for there. having me greg and yeah it was a good time cool thanks so much for listening to this week's show if you're not a subscriber yet please do subscribe wherever you get your podcast if you want to write us at our email it's leverage and beverage at gmail.com and if you want to follow us on instagram it's leverage and beverage um, this is um, the beverage and leverage podcast and as always keep pushing forward one sip at a time